At the end of your life, what will be your legacy? What will you leave behind for future generations? For the world, join the world messenger, Isabella Lundberg, each week as she brings you a new distinguished guest from the business, sports, or entertainment world to share their success, their struggles, and their lessons. They will share their insights into current hot topics that affect everyone. Isabella facilitates an intimate, vulnerable environment to find the true value of humanity and real leadership. Are you ready for your legacy? The legacy that matters? Hello, hello, my dear friends. It's Isabella Lombic here, DeWald Messenger, and welcoming you again to the Legacy Leader Show. Today, I have a very special guest that I'm super excited to have a conversation with. It's coming all the way from New York City, of course, virtually, uh, who worked on some of the most premium programming and um, is phenomenal storyteller, which I cannot wait to pick into that, who is creating some of the best sports documentaries uh, through, again, storytelling, who won over 20 five Emmy Awards, but also who is absolute veteran uh, in the industry and has a very good point of view what is happening today. So please welcome with further ado, uh, David Check. David, welcome. It is a pleasure of being with you today. Nice to see you. Great to see you too. And thank you so much for finding the time uh, because I know you have a crazy schedule. Go figure with the New York and everything that is going on. Plenty stories to tell and share. And now it's opportunity to have you in the front of the camera and in, in front of the mic. So I'm super thrilled to have this conversation with you. Well, it's great to be here. I'm looking forward to having some engaging dialogue. Excellent, excellent. David, do you mind from people that are so eager to get in entertainment industry, specifically in the vision around the sports, to tell a little bit about your story and background and how did you self-discover this particular niche that keep just keep giving back and back to communities and to the world with your exceptional work? Well, uh, for me, you know, I think it always starts with one word and that's passion. And uh, uh, without passion, uh, yes, I really think uh, you're doing yourself a disservice to, uh, to attacking every day with the vigor and work ethic that you need to attack every day. And I remember as a, um, a young person in college that I, that I got an internship in my senior year and I would travel down to New York City uh, three times a week and it really gave me the buck, uh, the internship. I was with NBC Sports, and I, and I was really enthralled with being at 30 Rock uh, three days a week and getting some opportunities maybe that, you know, that a 19 or 20-year-old is going to be very wide-eyed and, and, you know, and really uh, look to, uh, to embrace that opportunity. Uh, so drafting all that internship, I knew I wanted to be involved in sports um, in some way, shape, or form. I just wasn't quite sure how I was going to get there. And through my internship at NBC Sports, you know, I was introduced uh, to the head of NBA Entertainment, which was the film and video uh, wing of the league. And I, and I went through the interview process. I interviewed as a writer, but I was not hired as a writer because they did not have that position. And I was hired as a production assistant. And very quickly, I was given um, some wonderful opportunities, and I would I like to think that I, that I embraced them and I ran with it. And, you know, being able to work in, with a bunch of 
20-something-year-olds uh, as well. Very, uh, to, me, uh, to me, it always felt like an extension of college. It felt like graduate school or film school. <laughs> and, uh, you know, being involved with these great group of individuals that inspire you every day to, uh, to give your best effort and to, and to be creative and to uh, be passionate about uh, what you're doing. So very early on in my career, I, uh, my career at MBA, I got put on a project uh, uh, with Michael Jordan. And at that point, I don't think we quite realized um, Dave Gavant, who is uh, someone who I'm still close with, was the lead producer and I was 22 years old. And we tackled the project uh, together and, um, and put out uh, Come Fly With Me and uh, Come Fly With Me uh, to this day. I mean, it's still one of the top selling sports home videos of all time. And looking back at that, I just, you know, recently I watched it and I cringed at some of the writing that I did at age 22, as opposed to maybe how I would have written it these days. But, um, but it was an incredible experience. And I mean, I was in, I mean, they had me, uh, they had me uh, within months uh, that I uh, kind of felt that I was going to be a lifer. That said, I think we all sometimes have, you know, some internal ruminations and I did apply to business schools and I did get into a few and I did think about going. Um, but ultimately, I guess uh, I stayed with it at the MBA for nine years and I had a tremendous run there, uh, nine years at the MBA and really got involved and saw the international expansion of the game. You know, the 92 Olympics certainly was a, um, it was a tremendous um, a groundswell event. And then, and then had the good occasion to really be at some of the uh, European championships where I remember, and this wow. is personal to you, I'm about to go, where yeah. the European championship, and I think they were calling themselves Yugoslavia at that point. Yes, uh, they did. Or Serbia, and Croatia was in the same tournament. And Croatia came in third. And uh, Yugoslavia came in first, uh, the Croatian anthem played, and everybody stood to attention. And then when it came time for the, the Yugoslavian anthem, uh, the Croatians walked off. And I was uh, very, I said, whoa, you know, this is really being on the front lines of some, you know, of some, of some history and some upheaval. And, you yeah. know, but you see that. Uh, firsthand, this was a 1994 or five, I can't remember, right in there. And I, I remember being very, uh, very affected by that moment. Um, so to see uh, the international expansion of the NBA was, uh, was a thrill. And then I, and then I left uh, to become part of uh, Major League Baseball uh, Productions, uh, which was an in-house, basically uh, the NFL films of Major League Baseball and started there um, in 1998 and had a 17 year run, which- um, Which is very impressive and usually doesn't happen that long. And, and if you don't mind, I just wanna pause here for a second purposely why I didn't wanna include an introduction, your accomplishments, and I'm so glad you shared younger self working on such a major project, uh, an MBA with such an all-star. Uh, but the beauty is you shared yourself through that lens of, of, of the young millennial that we're looking right now that wants to 
also connect with the sports and, and, and then having opportunity to transition from NBA to Major League Baseball so that people internationally can understand the acronym. I just have to say it's absolutely beyond impressive. Well, thank you. Thank you. And um, yeah, uh, so my time at baseball was, uh, was pretty magical. Uh, we got to build a culture there and uh, 17 years of work that I'm personally very proud of and uh, churning out a high volume of work a close. Some years were uh, 50 hours of original programming per year. And I just, and again, I think it comes back to being able to work with a great group of people. Now, you're not just people that were, you know, people that were kind of grew up with you in the industry, but younger people are trying to make a mark and remembering that when you're talking to a younger person, you were that person one day. You were exactly. That and, and, and we were just contrasting that because it's like now, like older, more seasoned, experienced, 25 Emmy awards later, uh, of course, you have a very different perspective, but it's beautiful that you can nurture and understand and still relate to younger generation. And David, I just want to just uh, share something quickly. Uh, four things globally, no matter of linguistic capability, specifically when they're not present, uh, that connect us. Doesn't matter with who we have in front of us, a level of education background, rural versus city area, our food, music, film, and sports. Mm -hmm. And you use outlets of sports with great music in there in your craft and work in these documentaries that I had a chance to preview and get a feel for it, but also ways to connect the world to really see what is this all about in very powerful storytelling. So I just wanted to say, I just see a lot of things that you were using actually in your documentary that almost integrated all four of them in a way. So please. Oh, all right. You know, people ask me often in the 17 years I was at baseball, what are some of the moments that stick with me the most? And you would think, well, being at World Series or being at All-Star Games or, or producing these very high profile projects that may have been on Showtime or HBO or, I guess, or ESPN. Mm -hmm. But sometimes it's those very private moments that stick out. And, and I know that you are uh, close with, with, with uh, Roberto Clemente Jr. And um, for me, in the 17 years, uh, the one moment I point to is when I was in Puerto Rico with Roberto's mom, uh, Vera Clemente, and she drove me to, uh, to her husband's, uh, to the crash site where her husband's plane um, I went into the ocean and Growing up, uh, Clemente was my idol, was my hero. So being at that crash site with her and having a meditative moment um, and then going back to where she lived uh, with Roberto Sr. and her cooking some great uh, pastelas uh, back to other, you know, food of course now comes into the mix and mm -hmm. just, just, have, uh, just listening to some of her uh, memories and, and you know, uh, some recollections of the time uh, with her husband, who she still was so very much in love with, uh, even though I think he had uh, left the earth maybe uh, 30 years prior to when I, I got to spend this time with her. 
40 years, actually, I will correct myself. So um, she um, just was a, such an incredible moment for me and brought me back to my childhood, even mm -hmm. though, you know, this was a professional, you know, this was under a professional uh, moment that I was having with her. Um, I definitely had a visceral a reaction to that moment and one that I would never forget. And I, you know, I still stay close to the Clemente family uh, to this day. It's very important to me um, to, uh, to feel that connection. But isn't it beautiful when, thank you for sharing this story actually, but, uh, but, it, but it's also very beautiful when we have opportunity to have um, exactly that presence and opportunity to connect with each other and how then we undercover so much to the story and the storytelling that you've been absolutely whiz at it because I'm just like, David, please tell me, what is the secret sauce? How do you uh, go deeper in and, and, and know how to position and how to share and, and which angle to take on? So do you mind uh, expand a little bit upon that? Because I'm sure that connection, that relationship gave you so much more insight and an and, and opportunity to tell the story in such a more deep, deeper, meaningful way. So do you mind sharing how did you develop that craft? Um, well, again, you know, to me, it, you know, uh, uh, to me, I think it starts with being open, I guess. And what I mean by that is learning from others, uh, having a collaborative spirit, I guess, and knowing the importance of, I guess, of having a great group that is I mean, because it is a cliche, but I believe it to be true. The whole always needs to exceed uh, the sum of its parts. So if you're surrounded by great people, but you can't find a way to marshal those resources together uh, to create something special, then, uh, then you're shortchanging these projects. And you know, one thing I took great pride in um, is tapping in you know, I was tapping into uh, the people, uh, the very t uh, talented people around me and to try to elevate uh, what we were doing. And I would chuckle to say that some people who work with me might view me as a control freak. And I say that very, um, <laughs> um, you know, probably not the first or last time that I'd be called that, but I always cared, I cared immensely about the final product. And I always uh, thought that our group was going to be perceived as to uh, you're only as good as your last project. So you need to uh, to keep that status, uh, to keep that high standard way up there. And if you uh, piss off some people that are working with you along the way because you're being a you know because you're being a quote unquote a control freak, then that comes with the territory. But it was always about uh, putting forth. Uh, the best effort that we could that would ultimately uh, result in the strongest final product. Um, you know, and also what I mean by be open is you might have a peak, you know, a preconceived notion about how a certain story is progressing, but you need to be flexible, yes, and nimble enough uh, to pivot and say, uh, we need to redirect. We need to not put as much emphasis on this because it is lessening importance, but this other story that's emerging from over here, uh, we need to amplify. So, you know, it's putting together a massive uh, you know, jigsaw puzzle. 
and mm -hmm. make sure that it all fits cohesively. But, uh, but I will say this again, mm -hmm. the greatest privilege of my career um, is to get to work with great people that help uh, you all contribute to putting that jigsaw puzzle together. And, you know, I mean, I've worked on some very high pressure, quick turnaround projects where tempers can flare and um, where, you know, and you just have to try to breathe through it. <laughs> that is where, where, where your intelligence and emotional capacity and emotional intelligence come in play to read the room and cue it and leadership. Uh, but I love what you just said, uh, demanding excellence. Sometimes people can portray as a being freak, but in reality, it's a sense of ownership. And that yeah. sense of ownership uh, contributed to your recognition of stellar record for all these awards. And, 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 and I have to just for listeners and viewers to really have that sink in because, and I love also what you said, even though I have a track record, the past project, it's not necessarily something that you should loosen up and, and just take it next project lightly and just skate through it, but work as every single project the best way you can and demand that excellence from others. So anyway, go ahead, uh, please continue. Well, I was gonna say, I mean, we all have our triggers, right? Especially under those uh, pressurized, uh, conditions and I certainly have my triggers. My triggers were that if I believe somebody was exhibiting uh, one of my favorite terms, false hustle. So pretending oh, to work hard but not really working hard oh. that was going to get sniffed out and that was going to trigger me. Even more importantly, I, I, I believe that it's so important for people to pull from the same rope. And if I feel that that individuals were not pulling from that rope and kind of had their own agenda or were doing things for reasons of self-promotion or being divisive, then I was going to get tricked. And I was, we, uh, uh, we probably were going to, uh, we would have some words. <laughs> we would have some words because, because that to me, uh, the sanctity of the group reigns paramount. Mm. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, yes, and if you're not, supporting the group, then, uh, uh, then uh, that would upset me, <laughs> I would say. But to put it um, diplomatically. Um, <laughs> but, you know, but, but, but it's a team dynamics and, I, and, and from coming from my background, a team dynamics are very important, so you have to preserve that. And I love what you said, that it's like no tolerance for certain things and you're setting up the stage and standards. And being New Yorker and I mean being European, I'm like that directiveness approach is like, yeah, we can be diplomatic, but at the end of the day, guys, this is what's going on. This is what is happening and this is what cannot be happening anymore. And a lot of times leaders dance around that or they don't even have a clue what is happening. So that is also very tremendous attribute for success, David. So thank you for sharing your process and philosophies around it. So beside uh, uh, specifying that, what would you do to resolve the conflict? How they will uh, react when, when will be literally like well, go or no go? Yeah, I think you, uh, you can't let it fester. Uh, yeah. you know, I don't think that's good for your, your body chemistry and it's also not good for the group dynamic. I don't think there's yeah. you know, good about it. So you have to uh, you get it out in the open and um, you know, or even if it results, you know, in a little bit of a, a tense moment, then you have to uh, 
uh, you have to resolve because if you don't, it's, I believe it's going to eat you up inside. And, mm -hmm. and, you know, I just feel that people have to, uh, uh, one of the aspects uh, that I really try to focus on my job is really listen. And, you know, especially when you're doing an interview, right? You have a list of questions. But if somebody, but you have to listen to the answer because you can't maybe, you can't go to the next question on your list if it doesn't flow off of what. Absolutely. You have to be able to follow the story. And it doesn't mean that you're not going to get to that question eventually, but you don't have to be so linear in your approach. So, um, you know, so I always try to, you know, listen and again, try to open my mind uh, to the, you know, uh, to the best extent that you can. That said, I think when you're working in a group situation and you're a quote unquote showrunner or director or leader, I, I, yes, I like to say that it's a democratic process to a certain point. And then ultimately, <laughs> you have to make a decision. And, you know, not everybody is going to embrace that decision, but, but you need to do it for the sake of moving on and, and you know, but be respectful, be respectful of other opinions and say, well, I hear what you're saying, but we're going in a different direction. And here's why I'm sorry if you don't agree, but, but this is what we're doing. Um, because uh, there, uh, yeah, the spirit of, uh, a spirit of collaboration is really important, but especially when you're dealing with quick turnaround projects, you need to make decisions eventually. And you can't, uh, you don't have the luxury. So, you know, and I've been on some projects that are, you know, uh, 13 episodes in a 14 week span. That is, you know, that's like if you go body surfing and you take the wave in and then all of a sudden you wanna go out and get the next wave, next wave is already coming. So, you know, you have to, uh, you have to, you know, bring a relentless nature uh, to every day the best you can. You know, in my years of baseball for 17 years, uh, taught me that uh, we had some quick turnaround projects. We had some that were under a longer time on, but we were always, we were always under um, certain pressures and to produce, you know, quality content um, in a relatively quick turnaround. And then after 17 years, uh, there were changes at baseball, and um, and my uh, division was basically um, uh, eliminated uh, to a wow. great degree. And, and this is where I was talking to you just before we got on the podcast that seemed like a really bad day because I felt that I had given, you know, uh, it's an organ uh, uh, to Major League Baseball for 17 years. I gave it my all and it seemed like, whoa, you know, what just I'm happened? 50 years old, I'm at a threshold and it seemed like a really bad day. And, you know, from the mouth of babes, my daughter who would, uh, who works at Major League Baseball right now. Um, she was 17 at the point, and uh, when she heard the news, she cried. And then in very typical fashion, she cried for about five minutes and called me back. And she goes, you know what? This is going to be the best thing that ever happened to you. Chapter one was the NBA. Chapter two was MLB. Chapter three is going to be your best yet. And I think about that conversation every day. That is beautiful. Yeah. I'm very mature of her and a very great insight uh, from somebody young to really have that perspective. 
that's yeah. Um, I took out some of the curse words that she used to. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> of course. But uh, you know, I cleaned up her messaging. But um, but about every day, I think about that, and um, and that new chapter of my career started in 2015, where I started my own company and have been very fortunate to be involved in a number of great projects with. I mean, I thought, you know, I still think today we had a very talented group, uh, I guess an MLB, um, and very proud of what we did together, uh, you know, but very eye-opening to me to see, hey, you know what, there are a lot of talented people out there, and, you know, I have the good fortune now to work with others, and, um, and um, you know, so I really feel fortunate to have done a lot of great sports projects post MLB and some non-sports projects. As you know, uh, last fall I did a military justice project uh, called Leavenworth um, that was um, one of the highlights of my career, being able wow. to... Do you mind uh, sharing a little bit more why, why exactly that project and, 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 and how this helped you pivot in this new uh, chapter of your life with your own company, New Venture? Well, I think we all, to a degree, I, I have a chip on our shoulder. And, um, you know, I guess that motivates us. So when my partner and I, Paul Pulaski, my production partner and I, Paul Pulaski, uh, Paul found this story about a first lieutenant in the U.S. Army that was incarcerated at Leavenworth um, for an incident that happened in 2012. Um, in Afghanistan, and he was in uh, this the first lieutenant was in charge of a unit, and uh, his name is Clint Lawrence. Is Clint Lawrence? He was in charge of a unit, and he ordered his uh, snipers to shoot on what he perceived to be a threat. Um, uh, the incident uh, I killed two people. Um, although Clint uh, did not fire the shots, there was a military investigation, a court martial hearing, and Clint was was a sentence to 19 years in prison at Leavenworth um, Prison, uh, the only um, prisoner there that's convicted of mur uh, murder that never fired a shot. And he had uh, nine platoon members testified against him. Uh, there, uh, so everybody that testified actually testified against him, all nine. So um, Paul and I found this story, and when we first started to bring it out to market, um, People are like, what are these two sports guys? I mean, Paul has a history at the NBA too and with Olympics and my, my entire career with sports. And people were saying in a nice way, uh, maybe you might want to stay in your little corner over there. But uh, uh, we believed that we had the confidence that you know, story, you know, storytelling is a universal application. It doesn't matter if you're, it doesn't matter if you're yeah, contextualizing baseball statistics vis-a-vis -vis court transcripts. And that's what we ended up doing for Leavenworth. And, you know, we, we had the inner belief that we could do it. And we put together a great team and had the good fortune of working with the claim director, Steven Soderberg, on it as well, which certainly helped the process of selling it, which ultimately um, the series was purchased by Stars, a five-part wow. series. And, um, and so it was a very validating experience to, uh, to delve into a world that we frankly uh, did not know a lot about. And, you know, I did our best to become a quick studies and, and 
I had a number of people on staff that had, well, had one person on staff that had some military experience, which really helped uh, keep us honest on how we were telling the story. And, you know, just opened us up uh, to a whole new world. And, um, you know, and having experienced that, uh, I want to do more projects like that. I want to um, you know, extend uh, beyond sports. And at the end of the day, and I think you've alluded to this earlier, I mean, sports really just about sports. I mean, come on, that's a pretty uh, myopic view. We have a project in development right now, which I'm not going to great detail, uh, that it's about a football program uh, for kids and it has very little to do with sports. It has to do with community. It has to do with the perception of police uh, in our country, but it is a story that is firmly entrenched in the zeitgeist and um, one that we hopefully will have the opportunity to tell. But, um, you know, there are a lot of, uh, there are a lot of tributaries that flow off of sports that, you know, where you got, uh, where you have the ability uh, to tackle uh, broader issues. And um, absolutely. And, and, and that's how we connect globally. Even though certain sports don't exist in other parts of the world, people still relate. And that's the great way of conversation and community and sit down. Why did I go sometimes to baseball games? Because they're slow, but give me a chance to, you know, not only just look at the game, but talk to people around me and build the relationship with them. Even though I didn't have no idea about the baseball. Uh, but in the same time, uh, beauty is, I just love how you are able to pivot your skill set and how you make them relevant to the current times. So for all the listeners that are resistant to change, that are seeing, seeing change as a negative, um, David is a living example of transformation he has been going through on personal, professional level. And, and this is such a great way to really see uh, what's possible. When you have a craft, it's applicable everywhere. And I can't agree more with you. Uh, storytelling is applicable in all aspects of it, but what we do and how we do it uh, is the educational, is empowering, is a positive, is a transformative. Because we're also seeing a lot of different uh, programming that is out there uh, that not necessarily bring us closer and that's why I'm so fascinated about your work because since like what are you do, uh, doing is you're building communities and opportunities to educate and transform in such a positive light. So um, do you mind sharing uh, what, what, what type of passion projects you like to work on now given that you open completely new Pandora box here? Passion projects that will result in creating or amplifying a national conversation. Wonderful. Um, uh, the Leavenworth project that we did um, was a controversial series. Um, it was a polarizing subject. It definitely elevated uh, uh, the conversation of when you're a 23 year old uh, a lieutenant and you are serving your country and you make a split-second decision, which he did, which Clint did, that has ramifications well beyond his own person. It affected the platoon um, rather significantly. There are still a number of members of the platoon who are profoundly affected by that moment. Uh, obviously, lives were taken, so the Afghan families were affected. But when you're in that moment, 
and you're and you're that 23 year old lieutenant uh, the, uh, 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 the thought that you can make a decision that is going to re uh, reverberate for years to come and putting and on the broader scale putting a 23 year old in, in that position to make a decision uh, yes uh, 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 yes so within the fog of war um, and that you know I mean it is a very you know and it speaks to the vagaries of war and and just you know all the decisions that are made uh, uh, yeah just like this one uh, that can echo for an eternity and um, so this is you know and there are other projects that we're involved in right now that I can't really go into detail with that have that same level of social gravitas that you know that tackle uh, uh, tackle systemic issues that we all face um, and that are, you know, that are not only um, issues that are prevalent here in this country, but internationally. Absolutely. Um, I mean, you know. Even, even if there are things that happen in just in the U.S. and in the U.S. economy and how we act and behave affects the rest of the world uh, directly and indirectly. We're so interconnected from global perspective. So it is very good to also set up good examples, but also show some types of solutions and opportunities. Um, I'm glad you, you did. Uh, I did not personally watch, so I'm really now eager and intrigued to look at Ellen Ward um, uh, and find out more. Uh, but in the same time, uh, as you pointed out, war, split-second decisions. Now we're dealing in our country with some of the most complex issues, right? Uh, schools should be reopened. Uh, how is New York being treated during pandemic? Uh, is, it, is it right? Is it wrong? What, what, what should we do? So it's so many different things that are affecting us as a humans, right? How we have quality of living. How is for you to step away out of your apartment and, and walk the streets these days? You know, uh, what thought process we're going through, what we're doing to overcome the fears and all these invalidate the risk factor, but also um, make something magical and, and persevere and, and, and keep going forward. And if you don't mind, I just wanna also ask you, how are you managing all of that in, from New York, from the New Yorker perspective, if you don't mind, and not necessarily focusing on political lens, but focusing just on human lens, because everything, David, you've been talking about, deep core of everything is that human factor, which I think that is where the power is. Yeah. Well, uh, New York um, is obviously a very complex city. You spend time here, there are, there are a lot of different socioeconomic uh, levels and, you know, um, yeah, definitely a tapestry, right? From the Upper East Side, Park Avenue to some of the most uh, dangerous neighborhoods here in the five boroughs. And recently I had the good fortune to visit an area where there's uh, uh, an area in Queens which is um, um, uh, has its set of challenges um, socio uh, economically and to see the work being done in this area by by some really uh, 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 wonderful people was nothing short of inspirational and I think it's always important to uh, to keep perspective. I, I, uh, that's the one word that I, uh, I, 
I consider myself a very fortunate uh, to be in the position I am. And I believe it is my responsibility to tell stories like that, to, to, uh, to bring those stories to life. Um, it's not really a choice. <laughs> and uh, if you are, if you surround yourself with like-minded individuals who feel the same way, that's a good day. That's a good day. And, you know, like I, the older I get, the more I try to keep things simple. And here's some of the ideals I try to live by. I work with people that you respect and that you like. Because if, because if you don't, those days are going to be a lot longer and a lot more stressful. And it doesn't mean that you're always going to, are going to agree with said individuals, but you know you're coming from a, uh, uh, you know that the healthy debate is coming from a healthy place. And at the end of the debate, you're still going to hug it out and respect that individual. That's, you know, uh, that's one thing I try to abide by. Uh, you can't always, uh, you can't always script that because you're going to be put in situations where you're, uh, 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 where you're challenged by your dynamics with certain individuals. And, you know, you just got to try to navigate your way through the best you can. Uh, the other, uh, the other axiom that I try to live by is uh, create and connect, create and connect. Mm. Everything that we do can fall under one of those umbrellas from my personal perspective, anything we do. And, you know, and again, I, I guess if you're doing, I guess if you're creating or connecting, that's probably a pretty good day too. So, you know, I try to, uh, in a very complex wor world, I, I try to distill life to those core values and, you know, and have everything flow out of those core values. Um, and when you feel off kilter, it probably means that you're not adhering to them. So, um, you know, um, so that, the older I get, uh, 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 the more I feel, um, uh, yeah, the more determined I am uh, to adhere to those, you know, qualities. I mean, I try to uh, keep my stress levels at a minimum, you know, uh, uh, but I think that stress is um, one person can view uh, stimuli as a stressful trigger point where other people can view it as a challenge or as an adventure. So, mm -hmm. so again, it's, I mean, it's all the matter of perspective. I guess on how you see that piece of stimulus that comes your way. Mm -hmm. So uh, yeah, that's what I try to do. And maybe that's why I don't have a lot of gray hairs yet. I don't know. <laughs> and that's why you have a full head of hair because I see a lot of people actually aging dramatically, losing their hair due to the stress actually, and, and, and really exhibiting a lot of uh, challenges because uh, I was just in New York actually in February uh, for over 10 days and uh, just seeing shifts since then that happened uh, and, and seeing your attitude and aptitude really tells also that we're, we're only species that we can feel instantly good or instantly bad, but also that our personalities or our behavior can affect other people positively and negatively. And I just love your philosophy and, and, and sense of leadership um, that, that, that you position yourself at individual level, but seems like that is the beauty because that bleeds into everything else you do professionally and that is congruent. And right now, more than anything, we are lacking congruent leadership. We're lacking the sets of values that, that, we, that we're 
inspiring and transpiring something positive. So I just want to say kudos for that, David. Well, thank you. And you know, you also try to put a good energy out there too, you know, because I do, uh, because I do believe it comes back to you, you know? Absolutely does. And, um, you know, so I, you know, I try uh, to adhere to that, but I also, at the same time, you know, um, are there some people that you throw that good energy to? Uh, uh, yes, and it comes back to you and not as a positive way. And, and you take note of that. <laughs> you say, well, maybe that's not a person that I want to spend a lot of time with, or maybe that's not a person that I want to work with. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. so, uh, um, it's not a level playing field, you know? It's, uh, uh, we have the ability a lot of times to pick and choose who we get to surround ourselves with. And to the extent that you can do that, it probably has a direct correlation to your overall happiness. So um, I try to do that and, you know, I try to be an ethic, you know, I try to be an ethical person. And, you know, I mean, isn't that another way of saying, well, he has a good reputation or she has a good reputation. It's, it's yeah, this person is trustworthy. Uh, this person is, um, is not gonna screw me over in a business deal. This person is going to be true to their word. And the more you manifest that, uh, that ethical core, uh, that's another thing that's going to come back to you too. Uh, hopefully, and you know, more and more people are wanting to come back and for repeat business or work with you again, or you know, uh, these are yeah. uh, these are important things as you navigate through. And um, you had said in the beginning of this conversation, you know, this challenging time that we're going through right now and you know, how we're all trying to tackle it. And my, uh, my answer to that would be, have a lot in development. Have projects that you really think have a chance of making an impact, of creating a national conversation or an international conversation, uh, directing your energies towards that. Because we all have this little pie chart, right? That we all, we're gonna go 10% here, 15% here, how we direct our energies. And recently there was, uh, there was a project that, rem uh, that will remain nameless that had to do with one of my favorite sports that seemed at first glance to, uh, to be an interesting project. And then the more and more I got into it, uh, the more and more I realized it probably wasn't a good fit. So when it went away, I was like, okay, you could take that off my part chart because here comes something else that is where I want to spend my energy. And that's okay. You know, that's, you know, sometimes, yeah, I mean, you just have to know that you might have 10, 15, 20 projects in development, and maybe 10% of them finally come to fruition. But that's okay. But that's okay. Um, uh, yes, as long That's why in sports they don't hit a home run every time, and it takes time and extra work and efforts to get to that point, right? Yeah, but not everybody is a built. I mean, we've, for as much uh, uh, success as uh, some people have had in the business, um, some people don't handle failure very well. And you got to be able to say, okay, well, that happened for this reason. What do we learn from it? Uh, how do we not repeat that mistake? 
or it might not even been a mistake, and it might just have been the uh, the circumstances that yes uh, or timing. Exactly. So you know, it's I, I, you need to evolve though, and you need to learn from these uh, from these experiences, and hopefully, I mean, I'm running a business, and I have to. I have to adapt, and if I don't adapt, you know, nothing gonna happen. The business is gonna die, and then it's like, how are you gonna survive, right? But you want to be thriving because you've always been thriving, and having that thriving mentality requires different you and elevated you and constant consistency in that process. And 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 if you don't mind, I would love to pivot that from that personal professional because you said in the beginning also that industry is changing, and then how is now you know, from previous years, what is happening now that also force you indirectly and directly to adjust the game uh, so you can play and continue to play in the industry? Yeah, I mean, I try. And um, when I, I mean, listen, I had a great 17 years of Major League Baseball. I wouldn't trade it for anything. But I would say that being out on my own poses a different set of challenges. And I would say that every day is different. <laughs> every day, there is no Groundhog Day here. And um, so, you know, that, that as I look back to what I said earlier about being a baseball, and again, I had a great run at baseball. I wouldn't trade it for anything. Um, but um, what seemed like a really bad day has turned out to be a necessary, I mean, it pushed me along my path. Uh, even though I didn't see it at the time. And I'm sure we could all speak on moments like that that we've, that we've had. Um, but I'm, I, in retrospect, I'm glad it happened. Wasn't happy at the time, but in retrospect, I am happy. It gives us an autonomy and flexibility and it's so much other pieces that yet unfold, but also you can expedite things. You don't have to go through layers of approval and complexities, right? And, and, and it's, it's now, I, I see a lot of professional athletes being free agents actually, because mm -hmm. like I'm free agent, I can decide what I wanted to do and how I want to handle things because it's a lot of old systems also breaking down. They're not going to ever be the same. Even how we're viewing games this season, it's going to not be the same of anything that we compared from since inception of the game. So who knows what else is happening, right? But I think with your attitude and your way, how you're applying um, the values, but also adaptation uh, to everything, it's phenomenal. So if you don't mind sharing also with our listeners, you already have stellar record and tons of accomplishments. Great legacy. I'm sure your daughter is extremely uh, proud of you, as well as many others that uh, had a chance to look at your documentaries and great um, uh, videos and, and things you produce, the great content that is available. But what is, you know, now in this chapter of your life, the passion, the legacy that you are striving for to reach and, and push further? Well, first of all, I'd like to say that my daughter might be proud of me, but as proud as she might be of me, I am infinitely more proud of her and the person that she is turned out to be in her work ethic and the way she approaches her job. Um, so as parents, we all like to instill certain values and I certainly, I certainly made my share of mistakes along the way, but, but, uh, but I definitely. Um, Apples definitely, are far, far away from three, I heard. 
Yes. <laughs> so, um, uh, so to answer your question, you know, you talked a little earlier about how we feel at our age. And I feel, you know, there are a lot of days that I'm not going to give my exact age, but I don't <laughs> feel my age. A lot of days. I feel, I feel the same, David. <laughs> you know, I feel energized. I, um, I have a lot of vitality. I just want to, you know, go out there and uh, be involved in projects that are going to be impactful um, and are going to be talked about and debated. And um, I mean, those are my goals. And, you know, I try to stay vigilant about that every day. And, you know, some of my friends who are a little bit older or about my age are talking about retirement. I'm like, uh-uh, no, I'm just sitting <laughs> my prime right here. And, you know, and I do- It's a good time. You know, and I do take it very seriously that I have people around me that believe in what we're doing and, you know, you know, and are a part of what we're doing. And, and that inspires me every day, too, to forge forward and, um, you know, and meet the challenge of every day. And there are different challenges every day, trust me. But, you know, maybe that's what keeps your mind active. Maybe that's what it, you know, the mind is a muscle. You got to work it out every day. And, and it's, uh, yeah, I definitely feel that way, for sure. Um, and, um, but I like, you know, I like the, stimul uh, the stimulus of, of chasing down great projects and, and then ultimately bringing them uh, to fruition. There's a, sense of, there's a sense of accomplishment and, you know, validation that transcends uh, the actual uh, financial compensation that you get for it, but, but, you know, I mean, it's, I mean, it's a cliche, but true, but how many people are walking this earth to get to do something that they love? 1%? Maybe? Maybe. Right now, I would say it's even less, unfortunately. And count me among the fortunate. And not that every day is easy, but, because it's not, but count me among those that are fortunate. But it's worth it. Absolutely okay. worth it. Yeah. Great. And, and in closing, what would be one thing or, or just uh, just reflective of everything that you shared with so many gorgeous uh, life messages and golden nuggets here? Uh, what would you recommend for future younger generation, like generation of your daughter, of millennials that are now feeling desperate and despair? They want to have a career. They want to build some things. And they're dealing with a magnitude of economical downturn and uh, so much shifts and change in their life that is uh, completely changed due to um, what we're dealing and seeing from coronavirus to responses in different cities and everything that is really happening. What would you tell them as a piece of advice to keep going and keep uh, their mind on the right track? Well, I think, you know, obviously we're dealing with some very unsettling times and some challenging times and you know, it's an economy that is crippled. Um, and I would just say, know that this too shall pass. But in the meanwhile, make the most of this time by minimizing your negative, uh, your nervous energy or your anxiety and rechanneling that to, to, uh, to establishing contacts, to 
being passionate, I think is the word I'll come back to. I started with that. I'm going to end I with love it. it. I uh, love it. You know, just be passionate because when, when I interview or talk to young people, you can tell if they're passionate from the jump. I, you know what? And if they're not, then I'll be candid. I mean, I turn off. Uh, and if you're not coming, willing to, there was a baseball player by the name of Pete Rose. I'm not sure if the name um, is familiar to you. Um, he, you know. I heard of him, yes. You know, a great player. Um, and, and his manager once said of him, to play baseball, he would walk through hell in a gasoline suit, <laughs> which is a very powerful metaphor, but, yeah. it, but it was very much emblematic of how he played. And that's the advice I would give to young people. You got to be willing to do that. You, it is not going to be easy. Um, um, I think it was Tom Hanks in League of Their Own said, you know, baseball is hard. If it was easy, everybody would do it. And, um, and you know, I think uh, you need to be able to push through and, you know, uh, direct your energies in ways to, to, uh, to follow those passions and to, you know, take this time right now to really try to figure out what you want to do. And uh, spend your energy, um, uh, reach, uh, taking the steps uh, to reach your goals. Uh, you, make it an, um, you make it a time of, of evolving, uh, um, you know, of enhancement. Um, that's what I would do. Uh, yes, and I know it's not always easy uh, uh, during these times, but, you know, uh, yeah, 2020, I'm sure we all would like to cancel it to some degree. But, uh, yes, we want to so, refund. We want to refund and start all over. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's why we will not count the years, right? We're definitely not counting this year. <laughs> yeah, but 2021 and, you know, is... Um, is right around the corner and you know hopefully we'll we'll be able to return to some semblance of normalcy and for those young people i hope they have you know, taken that time to uh, spend their time um uh, passionately and wisely to to help uh, realize their dreams that that is very powerful David, it was absolute pleasure to have you on the show and uh, we look forward for follow-up conversations and we cannot wait to hear and see your projects come into fruition. Have a fantastic yeah. day and thank you for joining us. Uh, thank you for having me.